You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Bucka, 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 bucka. <laughs> you know the deal? This is me, though. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Can We Talk? This is Eric, and I'm here with Shayna and Anthony. How y'all feeling? What's going on? I'm feeling great. Y'all feeling great today? Anthony, happy today. Yes, super happy. He's excited today. About I wish somebody had a rub off on me. I'm tired. Right. What's that good, what's that good news you're talking about? Man, my, my girl, I'm so proud of you. Hi, Kyra, if you uh, if you're watching. Aww. you know she, she graduated yesterday. Aww. She got her... She got her BA degree from Spring Arbor University. I'm so nice. proud of her. Guide in business. Nice. And um let me tell Keith, hey, my girl graduated yesterday. Got a BA degree. Man. Yeah, man. You know, another sister out here getting hers. So I'm proud yeah. of you. Aww. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so nice. So you had a good celebration in her oh, anniversary. Yeah. Went to Red Robin driving in the um cold hard rain. Okay. <laughs> but that was the only low point of the day. Okay, nice, that's nice. great news. Yeah. And we got Thanksgiving coming up, so eat, about to eat well. Going to eat really well next week, so I'm excited. Um, so we're about to have a couple of new segments that we're starting. And we're going to start off with Shayna's Hip Hop Corner. I thought we were starting with current events. Oh. Uh, y'all y'all want to do that last? Uh, let's do that Let's do that last. Okay. Current event. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't really have anything. I, I was busy all weekend, but... Um, Sir High's album dropped. I, I didn't have an uh, opportunity to listen to it, but I'm a I'm a big fan of him. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting. I love Black History, both his Black History projects. Okay. So once I get the opportunity to listen to his album, I'll let you guys know what I think. What What can we expect from your segment? Like what on a, on a regular day? Basically, be like you know, I I discuss anniversaries of important uh, hip hop albums, important in as as far as the culture is concerned, and important to me. Because Harlem World by Mace might not be important to you. <laughs> well, it is. You recognize it. Be important to me. Or your, like, basically current events as far as recently released hip-hop albums. So what can we look forward to in hip-hop? Some albums to look forward to. Do you know what's dropping? Now that I'm not sure of, like, okay. as far as, like, what's, what's coming up, what's upcoming. Because yeah. a lot of projects, they, they, they do the Beyonce. Mm-hmm. They just drop out of nowhere. <laughs> There's one project you could always fall on that may never happen. That's Jay Electronica. Okay. That's why I thought that that's kind of where I felt like Sci High was going to be, like with the Detox and the Jay Electronica yeah. album. Like, we're, we're yeah, people gonna... can't say Detox anymore because Dre dropped Compton. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So his excuse is gone. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that, I'm excited for this, this uh, segment moving forward. I think it'd be great to hear a little bit about the hip hop from the hip hop heads, the original hip hop heads in the group. Um, and, and the second segment we're going to have is going to be Anthony's Two Cent. Yeah, and basically in this segment, you know, I'll just be talking about things. Um, because I'm a cinephile, mostly film-related, it may be things doing, due to current events on how I feel on the day. But um, I got two things to talk about. You know, one, I saw Wonder today with mm-hmm. Julia Roberts, Owen Wilson, and Jacob Tremblay. He was in Room, that, that movie that got a lot of Oscar noms. Yeah. Um, Wonderful film, man. Uh, okay. It's about a kid with a facial deformity that's starting his first day in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, not really preachy. It was pretty much honest in his conviction, and it was um, it was funny. It was fresh. I recommend it for adults and children, and I don't say mm-hmm. that for many coming-of-age films. I'm excited for that, then. Another topic I want to discuss is Get Out, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it, that's causing some, some news. It got nominated at the Golden Globes for Best Picture, but it was in the comedy or musical category rather than drama. 
Mm. And the controversy is, and I, I agree with this, I looked at it as a horror film with comedic elements. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, if if a Chucky film or a Freddy film was nominated, would you really put it in comedy or musical or in drama? It's a hard question yeah. to answer, and, and I'm kind of split on it. I understand Jordan Peele's view, the director, where he says, well, you know, th- this message I had in this film won't be trivialized because mm-hmm. this is my experience as a black man. You know, mm-hmm. it's funny, but this is my experience. And I, I understand all the deep points we get out, but I'm kind of split on it. It's like, eh, maybe not the best category, but yeah. it's recognized. I mean, do you think that demeans his his vision for what he was really seeking to, to sort of instill? Because I know on, on Twitter he said that, he was like, "Get out" is a is a documentary. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if he was being. It, that's an artistic statement. Yeah, you know that. You know, sometimes the directors or the screenwriters they can look at their own films in a way different way than the public mm-hmm. does because um, perception is reality, and I and I say that a lot. Most people could perceive Get Out as a comedy or a yeah. horror comedy, and they wouldn't be necessarily wrong. The director might look at it as a horror dramedy or as a docudrama. Mm-hmm. You know, he wouldn't be wrong either. But I feel like if it's if it's nominated as a comedy, eighty percent, or maybe seventy eighty percent has to be funny. I feel like Get Out, again, it like you said had comedic elements within it, but I think its overall uh, sort of approach was horror. It was intense. Yeah. It was intense. And for a black man or a black woman, it can be a very disturbing movie if you really think yeah. about it. Definitely. Yeah, it was like one of the few films that I don't think I talked as much about the subtleties and all the like the symbolism in the film since bamboozled mm. i love bamboozled bamboozled yeah. was a classic man yeah an like, underrated classic i saw it on uh like when it came like out on video i watched it with a friend and we talked about that movie for a long time I, mm. um it wasn't the first time i saw it but i remember they showed that in my film class at msu and um you know i had long conversations with my classmates about it oh that's what that's what good movies make you do. Make you think. Make you really analyze situations and sort of, you know, draw those connections to sort of parallel real life and life events. Oh, by the that's way, uh, Bamboozled is a satire about bringing the minstrel show back in present day for entertainment purposes. Well, it's, it's deeper than that, but yeah. I'm sorry, I was checking the, the Lions game. Oh, okay. <laughs> Remember right. to like and share, folks. I, I know I say this at the end, but please like and share, everybody out there watching. So uh, our next segment will be the current events. I want to talk about, and we talked about this a couple of, maybe three episodes ago, um, the sexual assault allegations. They're continuing to. Roy Moore, man. Roy Moore. Moore's on this guy. So if y'all are not familiar, I'm sure y'all are familiar. If, if you, no pun intended. <laughs> you should be paying attention to the news. But Roy Moore, Moore is running for Alabama Senate. He's a Republican, and he's getting a lot of skeletons. He has a ton of skeletons in his closet. Um, apparently there's allegations of young girls 14 16 18 years old right who were sexually harassed or sexually assaulted by roy moore and he's still not dropping out he's adamant about continuing to run he thinks that you know um these are all lies that the democrats and the liberal media are making this up to sort of make him look bad but it's bad um this is really of all the sexual assault allegations again this is sort of the most disgusting just because his kids 14 year olds and um, it just really shows you how bad it's gotten in our society with this stuff. And it's just so under undercover and kept really quiet. And then now it's all sort of coming to a head. What do y'all think about this and where is it going to go? Do y'all think he's going to win? I think the election's in maybe two weeks. Um, and if he does win, what do you think should happen? Should he not be allowed to sit as a senator or what? I'll say it like this. I hope he doesn't win. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just going to leave. 
I mean, it's anyone's game at this point because Trump won. Right. Mm-hmm. You can use that excuse for anything to say, hey, it's, it's unpredictable. Right. If, if that can happen, then, you know. Hmm. And we could also look at Al Franken and how, oh, yeah. again, this is the Louis C.K. Kevin Spacey argument, how to respond and how not to respond to allegations. Al Franken said, hey, you know, yeah. if, if, if if she felt offended, I'm sorry, and I will fully cooperate with the investigation. Mm-hmm. Whereas Warrior Moore, I did not do these things and I'm still running. He actually tweeted, bring it on. Yeah. Mm. Bring it on. Somebody's like, y'all know that's a movie about high school girls. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, the biggest issue is that when you have someone and it, Think about it. he was 32 years old at the time in a position of power. He was the DA at the time. And he was pretty much stalking allegedly. malls, allegedly stalking malls and, and stalking young girls in malls, um, talking to young girls, signing their yearbooks uh, who are 14, 16, 18 years old. And he, even his, his wife came out in a coalition of women who are supporters. They came on this big rally just supporting, um, I guess, to, to really reinforce their support for him. And it's like, what, how, and I'm not a woman, so I can't speak to this, but I was thinking, like, how is a woman, can you support someone who made, who have allegations against him like this? You know, this isn't something where he may have touched someone inappropriately, but they were maybe, you know, 25 or older at the time. This is children. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of messed up. Keys, what do you think? Oh, go ahead. I, I don't, like, that's his wife. <laughs> You yeah. know, like that's his wife's. But I, I mean, I also understand what you're saying, but that, that's his wife. But in, I don't think she was completely ignorant. If this is what was going on, I definitely don't believe she's ignorant of what was happening. So as we speak, I'm looking at Twitter. It says model claims Russell Simmons sexually assaulted her when she was 17. That's just brand new. Now listen, that just listen. came on. But he also started dating Kamora Lee when she was around that age. Yeah. Innocent till proven guilty. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta we remember do. when these allegations come up. Innocent till proven just guilty. Just allegations. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what you think, Keith? <laughs> we spoke. We spoke a lot. Sorry. No, I'm good. Uh, you, um, good afternoon, to everybody. Too. Um, innocent until proven guilty. I mean, uh, I think he does, should step aside, though. Uh, Roy Moore, I think he should step aside. And on the other hand, I think Al Franken should leave the Senate. Um, I don't think he should be a senator anymore. Um, he took um, onus for what he did. But if we're going to be one way with one side of the party, we should be the same with, with on both sides. So equality. Um, he should uh, step aside, uh, Al Franken. Mm-hmm. And uh, Roy Moore should step aside. I was just looking at a poll this morning that shows he's eight points down from mm-hmm. the Democrat who's running. Um, it is, you know, let's just be real. It is kind of funny that um, – these allegations didn't come up until he started running for Senate, like 30 days out. You know what I mean? You know, like all of a sudden now everybody's coming forward for him. Right. However, it, if, if he did it, he should step aside and take onus for what he did. Definitely. He was wrong. He should admit wrong. And I think that's the separation between him and, and Al Franken. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me give him his proper respect. Senator Al Franken um, is that, um, he came out immediately. Well, his first apology was kind of dry, but the second one that he wrote was, you know, was very apologetic mm-hmm. uh, and sounded sincere. It sounded like he had some time to think about it. And um, he wrote a very sincere um, apology to uh, the journalist that uh, he offended. Um, I mean, that he assaulted. And um, the diff- that's the difference between him and Roy Moore. Roy Moore is saying, 
uh, listen, I didn't do any of this and, and I'm going to fight it to the end. And, um, I think, I mean, his wife is, that's normal for his wife to support him, you mm-hmm. know, during something like that. Let's, let's, let's look back at the, the, uh, guy who molested the boys at Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, his f- wife was right there with him, you know, right by his side. And, you know, a lot of times people ask, well, why would they do something like that? Why would they do something like that? I remember, uh, Hillary Clinton may have publicly supported Bill Clinton, yes. um, mm-hmm. during that time. Uh, privately they said that their relationship and marriage was in turmoil you know i think i remember one time at one point uh they were saying that he sleeps on the couch that they didn't even you know they would only hug hold hands in public um in front of chelsea you know Mm -hmm. they wanted to portray a firm relationship or a committed relationship in public but privately they weren't even talking you Mm -hmm. know so and she still supported him you know so um a soldier yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think you. That's what she's. That's what they usually do. So it's not out of the ordinary to see um, Moore's uh, wife supporting him and during this yeah. time. I feel like even with um, a lot of the, the accusations that are occurring, the statements that some of the individuals give, I don't. In my mind, I'm thinking: Is it? Are you sincerely apologizing for this action, or are you sad that you are apologizing because you got caught? Um, you know, even with Al Franken, Al Franken. You know that's the man. I like I like Al Franken. He it probably but, didn't it probably didn't cross his mind that he was violating her. They probably he probably thought in his mind, oh, well, this is a joke between us. We yeah. he's a comedian. Yeah. You know, he probably thought, oh, we both got a raunchy sense of humor. I didn't know that I I offended her that way. Mm. Well, I mean, when you listen to her testimony, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's hard for him not to know that he was offensive to her. Mm. Uh, she told him three or four times, "Hey, listen, we don't have to um, practice this skit." You know, we don't have to right. practice this skit that that they were apparently doing for the troops or whatever. Okay, and he insisted four or five times, and so when she finally just gave in, and said, "Okay, Al, let's just run through it." You know, he took advantage of her, and she mm. said, "That's when he kissed her and put his tongue in her mouth." Mm. Now, what mm. part of that was practice, or why did you need to do that? You know, mm. and she said she pushed him off. He never apologized. Mm. You know, so so he knew what he was doing. You know, I mean. I didn't know Any that. one of us know what we're doing, you know. When you, when if you are, when you know you're being, you know when you're being overly aggressive. Right. Well, this is a this current event topic was is definitely important. It should be discussed even more. But we got to get on to our main topic because I know we are about thirty minutes in. Um, so our main topic we're talking about again. So the election of Donald Trump sort of brought across this this concept of people losing their jobs to um, to immigrants. And that was sort of a fear that people had. And a lot of times in that conversation, we don't think about some of the black Americans who may be affected by, you know, immigration. And I'm not saying immigration is bad or or one way or the other, but it's, it's, it's true. Uh, people come into the country and they have opportunities that black people may not have um, within their society. And so... Thank you, Nick. <laughs> let's talk about this issue of immigration and how it affects the black community in particular. Anyone have any insight or any uh, examples they want to provide? Let's call it what it is. To sort of yeah. get this going. I was reading an um, article about a lawsuit mm-hmm. against a temp agency in Chicago where they favored, you know, Mexican speaking Hispanics over black people. Mm. And the one gentleman was, was talking about how he went into the temp agency every day. Five o'clock in the morning, 
got dressed for work, steel toe boots, you know, ready to work. And he would never get called for work. Mm. And the ladies there, you know, they actually, you know, gave quotes in an article basically confirming like what their suspicions were. They were saying that um, they they I forgot what the term was, but they were saying that they preferred like Spanish speakers mm. like on these job sites. Yeah. And this was in Chicago. It's unfortunate. I mean, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think um, in some cases there's there's a perception that, you know, black Americans or these black workers aren't going to work as hard. <laughs> this, this quote unquote, that they're lazy. Um, unfortunately, that's a stereotype that's been perpetuated through media, through everything that we just through society. Um, but, you know, these aren't those are just some situations where, you know, people are coming in and sort of building their own um, or taking taking jobs that could be given to other people especially black Americans may need it. Another situation I've seen a lot is um, the opportunities that some immigrants may have in terms of, you know, being able to come in and start businesses. And so you see a lot of the liquor stores in Detroit, a lot of the uh, gas stations in Detroit, fish and chicken, fish and chicken places in Detroit are owned by, by immigrants. And the majority of consumers are the poor black people in those communities. And so it's like, again, we're trying to build a sense of, of community and a sense of, of entrepreneurship within our communities, but those opportunities are being taken away in various ways. I heard an interesting point. I was listening to to the radio, 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, and there was a there was a guest host who was Arab. He was like, hey, you know, um, let's talk. You know, he, he was he was a fun guy. He was a professor and a comedian. He was mm-hmm. a very um very amicable guy. Mm-hmm. So a black man called in and he he seemed like he had like a little bit of resentment in his voice, but he was respectful. He says, look, you know, I look everywhere. Arabs took over everything, the gas stations, the fish and chicken places. And I don't feel like they give back to the black community that, you know, that has um, served as patrons to them all their years of taking over. And, you know, why? And, and there was kind of a question of why take the business away from us? Mm-hmm. And the way the man responded was very insightful. He says, well, you know, Arabs, we, you know, we, we have an entrepreneurial sense. It wasn't, a, it, I don't think it's a case of taking business away. It's a case of seizing the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And he talked about an era in which there was an opportunity to seize business in Detroit. And he spoke on, I do agree that Arabs should give back to the black community that has served them all these years. I do agree with that. And I believe there is a problem with that issue. And I, I just loved how he responded, but it still felt like there was kind of a disconnect mm-hmm. where, um, he was calling what the black man said an opinion, and the black man said, no, it's not an opinion, it's a fact. And there was still a disconnect there. It was agree to disagree, but it was an amicable agree to disagree. Mm. And that's what kind of like, you know, uh, made me think of this conversation topic, uh, this topic we're having today. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts? It's a tough one because, again, you see it all across the city. Um, some people have opportunities that others don't. And the ones who typically don't have opportunities are the poor black Americans. Um, and you know this is a land, of, obviously, the land of the free. So, so they claim, you know, home of the home of the brave. But we don't have the equal op- access to you know the resources that we need. Yeah, we don't have equal like we don't have access to capital that isn't predatory. Right, and it's also a cultural thing as well. I think that communities and various, um, whether it's Arab communities, uh, Mexican communities, Hispanic communities, they do more in terms of investing among each other. So pooling their resources, you know, their family may have um, the cousins, brothers, sisters, aunts, all put their money together, start a business. I was actually looking at a, a YouTube video of it's a gas station in Detroit. I think it's on the west side where they have the gas station on one end and they have this um, 
this burger restaurant on the other end. Um, I suppose supposedly it's this it's this really good burger place. I haven't really been there. Um, but they're all the same family, and the two sons, I think the the brother and the cousin, just talked to their uncle and their father and was like, "Hey, can we can we use your gas station to open up this restaurant?" And so things like that. Again, a collective sense of you know using money in a way to sort of pull it together and benefit the whole family is something that we don't really see and we don't have access to unfortunately because we don't have that money available yeah, we don't there. have that like i was talking to a gentleman that was um he opened up a liquor store in traverse city mm-hmm. and he uh, said me and my brother we went to my uncle and we asked him can we borrow fifty thousand dollars to get our liquor license mm-hmm. and he said okay but you know pay me back with your first fifty thousand and mm-hmm. they said okay and then as soon as they made the fifty thousand they paid their uncle back my i don't have an uncle that can give me fifty thousand dollars some mm-hmm. Arabs don't have family members that can give them fifty thousand dollars either. See, mm-hmm. that's that's the thing. We both both blacks and Arabs have some have rich uncles, some don't. Mm-hmm. You know, we both I think it, it could be equal, but there's 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 some there's some nitpicky things that don't make it equal. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it, the problem rests with us as well. But even with Arabs, I, I heard you know from the man who was co-hosting, he said legally we can mark ourselves as white on an application, right. and they do right, right. They're white, that's not true. like white, not Hispanic. Yeah. And, and there's a flip side to that. He says, but, you know, if I'm in the airport and even when I walk into an interview, best believe I'm not treated like I'm white. Mm. Yeah, best believe I'm always getting stopped at the airport. So there, there is a flip side to that. There is a little bit of um, not privilege, but there is a little bit of advantage with them. But I believe the problem, you know, it rests with them and it rests with us, too. What's the issue that rests with us? What an entrepreneurial sense. There's not many of us out here trying to be an entrepreneur like them. Did you know that SBA loans dropped from almost 9% to less than 2% over eight years mm-hmm. for black people? Explain to me small what SBA business, is. Small business loans. Okay. And it's but, not like we're not applying for them because we are. We're just not the, getting them. But there are there as many of us as there are them? Is, is it ingrained in us as it is with their culture? And what is ingrained? Ingrained, they they have an entrepreneurial sense in their culture. We do too. Do, do we? Yeah. Yes, yeah, we do. We do. It's ingrained. I, I have we back to. In the day? Let, let me. Let me. No. 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 Even now, what's survival mode to the person that's in the hood? Well, even even the drug game is an entrepreneurial game. You I know? agree so, with that. What? But my part, what I wanted to say was, it's not the same. You know, whether it's the black versus if you talk about the black versus the Arab, the Arab comes over and is given tax free living. And they keep sending for people to come over. They all stay in one house and they live tax free. And they, they're given an opportunity to grow their economy, to grow their income as a family. What are we given? 400 years of free slave, free work that we never got anything for. And we can't even get a loan. We, we, our education is way is, is, is substandard. Are living in substandard, so it's not the same. And those, these, no, those I are said some, they have an advantage, right? Right, but even and I'm not, I'm not attacking you. But what no, I'm saying is this: that even that small advantage, even that little small advantage, is enough to put them in a higher plane than us. We, mm-hmm. we, we, we continuously. I'm just gonna say it. We brought over to a country against our own will, mm-hmm. and we continuously have to fight. Uh-huh. Where others can come over and they're given an opportunity to succeed. Give me seven years tax free. Give right. give me an opportunity to go seven years tax free where I don't pay taxes on anything, and I guarantee you I flourish too. We talk about loans. Donald Trump. I'm sorry, 
President Trump, <laughs> uh, when he was a candidate, uh, talked about, bragged about his father giving him a small $1 million <laughs> loan. $1 million. Like Shana said, who do I have to even give me $10,000, let alone $500? $500, you know? He's white. And he, white, and, Arab, black. And he and his father made his millions off of an industry that we got locked out of, real estate. It's just, it's, it, it is a disparity, uh, disparity between uh, uh, folks of different cultures um, and, and the black. And, and, and I think we do have a strong entrepreneurial. I mean, we talk about the black bottoms. We talk about how uh, black business flourished in Detroit uh, before uh, the 1967 riots. Uh, um, we were burning our own businesses up in those, during those riots. We tore our own neighborhoods up. Yeah. But black business had cleaners. You had barbershops. You had uh, um, um, fruit markets. I mean, this is stuff that we don't talk about. But mm-hmm. black business flourished until, again, we became locked out of that American dream that they try to sell to us all the time. So definitely, so it, it's just it's not the same. Whenever when whenever they can continuously come over and put liquor stores in their family members' names, and and that liquor store is tax exempt for seven more years and seven more years, then yeah, you do flourish. Yeah. Definitely, so you know it, it does come from a, a strong entrepreneurial sense. I'm not I'm not um, debating that. You know, in the South, you know, my dad didn't know anybody that had their own business. Because you had to, but nowadays it is different. I think there's this generalization in society that you know they say if you work hard enough, opportunities will come, and that's such. I mean, it's a, it's a lie. Again, when you're looking at the the systemic oppression that we have faced in our community for, like I said, 400 years, even after slavery, we were sort of uh, shut out of various areas of in terms of just finding jobs, in terms of um, just economic prosperity opportunities. That stuff carries over. It's it's a it's a, it's a wave. A yeah, it's a domino effect. And again, you're seeing today that we are still lacking. And I won't say it, the, the reparations that we should receive. You know, to sort of help us get back to where we should be. And 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 Eric and, and what uh you know Anthony, I think what maybe what he may be getting to, which I I, I if that's where you're going, I want to speak for you. But where I think a lot of it goes, a lot of times we don't want to admit it as black folks. The drive is what what really is is I think is the killer. That's Sometimes I think you know I think the, I think the and, and that's just with some you know right. that's, I don't think that's Not the everyone. masses. But you know when, I, sometimes oppression can have such an effect on you yes. that you just throw in the towel and say, you know what I'm just gonna take my little bit here mm-hmm. and 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 I'm gonna work within that little bit and move forward. Those of us who went on to institutions of higher learnings and, and fought for our degrees and fought to graduate from college, we sat in classes with people of other cultures and, and learned and saw, damn, I'm just as smart, if not smarter than them. Right. But how many of us actually get that opportunity and put ourselves in that spot to go on these college campuses, to get in these classes, to build up your self-esteem mm-hmm. in those areas because you are competing and you're sitting in there and you're realizing like, man, I'm smarter than this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I come from the hood, but I'm smarter than this guy, right. you know? I mean, if put it this way, if you're constantly, say, for instance, you're on the ground trying to get up and someone's just sitting there kicking you. Every time you get up, they kick you. Every time you get up, they kick you. Mm-hmm. And they walk away, but your mind's like, oh, if I get up, they're still going to kick me. Right. That's what it is today. We have the opportunity. We have the resources available. But again, you have that, you have that understanding in your mind. That's your subconscious. If I even try, 
it's gonna fail. It's a magical thing, man. You, you call it what you want with many metaphors or whatever, but you you gotta make that jump. You know, you gotta you gotta gain that extra gene to give you courage. You know what I mean? It, that's but true. We black in America. No, in order but, for us to progress, you can't make a mistake for twenty years. Sure. How many times has Donald Trump failed as a businessman within twenty within a twenty year period? And now he's the president of the United States. Like I said, there's a special gene you got to have to have courage and push through it. I, I was told growing up that I wouldn't make it past 21. And look where I'm at now. It's true. I mean, yes, you have to have sort of that internal convention, conviction to, to really do it. There's a reason drive. they call us strong, man. You you, you got to be like that. But it, but. <laughs> It starts at home. <laughs> it starts at home. It does. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, from, from all accounts, uh, from that's, all accounts. That's your aunt, segment. It starts at home. You know, from all accounts, and um, from what I've learned of you in the uh, couple months that we've been doing this, uh, that you seem to have strong parents. And um, that's just the foundation you cannot negate. But when you are coming from a foundation, it, it depends on your foundation and where you come from. If you're coming from a poor foundation, when you're coming from cats that have never graduated from high school, from um, a parents that may be uh, on drugs, you know, and if it's unstable, it's harder for that kid. That kid needs support. That kid needs uh, encouragement. That kid needs a mentor. That kid needs people who have succeeded to wrap their arms around that kid and teach them something different. Which comes from exposure, you know, and, and showing that kid something other than Joy Road and Grand River. But if that kid doesn't have that, it's hard to tell to to, to get up from mm-hmm. constantly getting beat. Because all I see myself as is a hood cat. You know, I don't want right. to say the word I'm really thinking in my head, but you know, the N word. Yeah. But I mean, that's what I see myself as. And so. You know, you telling me, yeah, I can get up and I can graduate from high school and I'm gonna go to college. Then what? Then what? What that's going to do for me? Because they can't see no further than that. But you may have came from a background where your parents told you, no, you're going to graduate from high school. You're going to make something of yourself. If they ingrained that in you, then you you have a different edge. You have a different air about yourself that, unfortunately, and, I, and again, this is what I see on a regular basis most kids aren't getting. They don't. I was going to just add, you know, with the conversation around immigration, Obviously, black people are the only set of people who weren't who were forced here against their will. And that does sort of change the circumstances. You know, if I'm coming from China, if I'm coming from um, somewhere in the Middle East, Mm -hmm. I'm making that decision. I'm I'm uprooting my life because I want to pursue this dream. Um, But again, we were brought here against our our will and forced to work, um, you know, in servitude of others for as property as property. Um, And so that sort of changes the, the, the landscape of our opportunities that we have. And so. Yes, I think that immigration is an issue, but the bigger issue is the system that that we're built upon, that the country is built upon. Um, and again, this is the systemic oppression really is something that you have to look at as that main indicator, the main factor of why we're here. Our labor so. is pretty much it's what gives gives all, like these people, like everyone, the opportunity. Our labor in mm-hmm. Native American land is yeah. what gives these people. What gives, you know, everyone, I'm talking about the immigrants from Ellis Island going forward, mm. their opportunity to come over and live the American dream. And I and we 
we were held, we were locked out of that. Yeah. One thing I will say, <laughs> and again, I know this may be a physical, this is just my personal feeling. The jobs that we used to would take, the jobs that helped build this country, I some I think in some ways we as 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 a culture have gotten full and and big headed in some ways and we're like oh I'm not doing that. Yep. So you know you think about the the Hispanic or, or you know who comes over here and uh takes the job for $2 an hour under the table mm-hmm. at Walmart to um push buggies back into the to we look and we like, I'm not doing that. I'm not about to push no buggies but back also, here. Also, the corporate culture has changed. I was reading an article. Um, they were basically talking about the biggest company from 30 years ago mm-hmm. and the biggest company now. Mm-hmm. And they interviewed a janitor from the biggest company from 30 years ago and a janitor from the biggest company now. 30 years ago, the biggest company was Kodak. Mm-hmm. And of course, today is Apple. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it was a black lady that worked. She was a janitor at Kodak. Her manager, she talked to her manager about going back to school. Manager said, okay, we, we, you know we have a tuition reimbursement program. So she went back to school. She graduated. She was promoted. Mm. The lady that um, she's a janitor for, she's not even a janitor for Apple. She's a janitor for a contract company. And it, she can't call off because she doesn't get paid. If she doesn't call off, she has two kids and mm-hmm. she makes sixteen dollars an hour in California, which is nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like she's not able to build. Like the lady now that was a janitor thirty years ago, she was able to take her education and go to another company and become an executive. Like mm-hmm. she the, the lady that works for the contract company for that cleans at the building at Apple, she can't do that. Mm-hmm. So also the corporate culture has changed to where I'm not I'm not doing that either. Yeah. I, I I just I know there is a strong emphasis, especially even when you talk to um, like teenagers and young adults now, you know, even, uh, you know, even in, in, in my generation, you know, are quick to say, I'm not doing that. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to go to Walmart and be a, a, a cashier. I'm not going to work at KFC anymore. I, I'm not I don't want to do that anymore. I'm not doing that. Whereas they are quick. Hell, you may see them cutting your grass at five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they will they'll lay brick. They will make, um, you know, work in the sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Put no, and I'm not saying that black folk don't do that either, but that was our makeup. Like yeah. we were known as hard workers. We mm-hmm. we we provided for our own, and this was even before um, um, the 1964, um, you know, food stamps or whatever, and all that stuff came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, government assistance. Black folks always worked hard for themselves. The narrative that's out there that black folks are lazy and we're lazy is the the, the most egregious false narrative because right. this country wouldn't be what it is today if it it was built on the sweat and, and work of a black man. But I think along the way, they started throwing college at us. They started throwing education and getting these, you know, uh, the sky is the limit and go for these big jobs. Mm-hmm. And we bought into it. And and I think in a lot of ways, those who did not buy into it, they're they're like lost. And I think over time, it's gotten worse. Now you see we're starting to get back to skills trades. You hear them talk about that mm-hmm. more. You heard President Obama, and I thought this was amazing when he was in office uh, and he began to talk about it. But Bernie really took it to the next level mm-hmm. when he talked about kids being able to uh, go to a community college and get at the same time get that go for free. And get that skills trait. Mm-hmm. That's when we start to change the tide. 
But we have to work four times harder because we don't have those advantages that um, the Arab group uh, who come over or immigrants, you know, other immigrants who come over. It's the strangest thing. You know, I, I work two jobs and, and I, I'm mostly working to save up to move into my own apartment. People look at me like, oh, man, two jobs. I can barely keep one where, you know, and you're right. I do come from a strong home where. My dad and my mom and my uncles and aunties, you know, they had at least two jobs coming up. So I'm looked at like, wow, this isn't normal. Mm. You know, it shouldn't be normal for you to have to work two jobs. To, it shouldn't be, but yeah. like, if if you're a shouldn't. descendant of slaves, you shouldn't have to work two jobs. I just think that I mean, this is where capitalist societies sort of fail in the sense that the society is built upon those people who are the working. You know, the working individuals are the ones that they they're, they're, exploit. They exploit. They're not going to give you the opportunities. That's why they're trying to keep the educational system as horrible as it is, because um, they have really no benefit of, of making it better. There's no benefit for them. Um, there's this larger corporations. The the people are making the money off of the, the backs of those working people. And so you're seeing that the system is what it is. I mean, it's it's set up to have those people at the bottom, majority at the bottom, to keep them sort of blinded by what's the reality of what's really going on and, and sort of only allowing a few of those people to trickle up. And sort of making it seem as if if you're not doing it, you're the problem. Um, and again, that's where Bernie Sanders, I believe, had a lot of great ideas that if given opportunity, you know, free, free education, you know, free skill trade opportunities for people. That's that's what's going to sort of drive the economy. That's what's going to give people the opportunity to sort of at least try to escape their, their situation of poverty and their situations of, of really lack of education. Um, but again, it's the system. System was, is going is built to keep you where you are. That's all it is. It's it it cynical, but, but, we, but we have to. We have as a people, um, and, and it starts. You know, we as a people is so broad. It's so it's it's so much encompassed in that mm-hmm. that it has to be broken down into community, and then down even further, scale down even further into to individual homes. Mm-hmm. We have to begin to 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 first encourage ourselves for one. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, tell us, because it's, it's amazing how many people you meet, 40s, early 50s, uh, uh, 30s, especially under 30, mm-hmm. who are uh, depressed, who feel oppressed, uh, who uh, have given up on life, um, who will cry the woe is me. Um, and, I mean, I'm talking about willing, able body. You know, I mean, have have... They dropped out of high school a long time ago, or they worked in the plant for a minute and and uh, were forced to retire, you know, or take the severance pay back in 2000 and 2001 when the um, crisis began with the plants uh, laying off, um, and just never recovered. Uh, many of our people who have uh, lost family members, mother, father, uh, some significant person, never recovered from it, and so as a result, it's almost like the fight is gone. You know, it's almost like it, it kind of goes back to when I talk about how, you know, after King passed, it's like we lost the parent and we just as a people have never no uncle stepped up, you know, no, no, nobody stepped up to give us vision as a people because we really we have not had we don't have our our own identity. You know what right. I'm saying? Like we. You got some people who who feel a certain way or 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 if that's the people that they rock with, that's how they act, that's their identity. We don't know our true identity. When I talk to some of my close white friends, they can tell you, man, I'm from 
man, I'm a mutt, man. I'm a little bit of Europeanness, and I'm a little bit of that. We don't know where we come from. Don't. You know, so that fabric that 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 you need to that that comes from your family, it comes from knowing who you are. That makes you strong. It makes you who you are. We lack in that regard, and it's not enough of us who are out here who are helping push that uh, push. The 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 truth about us is that we're strong people and that we can own businesses. We can own our own neighborhoods. We can be more than just a soul food restaurant in our neighborhood. We can be more than just uh, um, the barber shop. You know, we, 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 we can own prominent businesses in our communities because guess what? We did it before, mm-hmm. but we don't know our history. Yeah. I mean, even looking at the concept of business creation, I think, um, Nowadays, small businesses are just sort of dying off. I mean, it, really, people are going to Walmart. You're going to big box stores to get everything that you need. Or you're going to Amazon. Like or, or It's Amazon. a war between Amazon and Walmart, and Walmart is losing. Right. Big time. <laughs> and, so, and so, yes, we're looking to create these businesses in our community, but we're so reliant on these large corporations for everything. Um, and you know that they're providing these, these more tax loopholes for these large organizations um, the GOP tax plan is, is terrible pretty much for anyone making below $75,000. They're going to see increases in their taxes. Um, but again, those people who are making millions are going to get money back, so, which makes no sense. Um, and so you're seeing stuff like that that favors the people in, in power, in those positions of power, and favors the corporations. It's, a, it's, bigger than, it's bigger than us. Like you said, it's bigger than just the situation that we're in. It's... it's um, Again, it goes back to identity. It goes back to really being able to step up and say, "All right, enough is enough." Like as as citizens, as people of this this country, it's time for us to sort of put our foot down and say that we demand more, you know, for our our communities, you know, for our citizens. But again, it's going to take a collective effort from somebody who could sort of lead us into that vision of the future. So, James Brown Brown said, uh, "Say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud." Mm. Like that was those were some of the proudest moments, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And 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 and. African-American history. And I just think we, we have to get back to that. We have to get back to the fight um, um, and, and begin to fight again for what it, what, what it is that we want. We should demand um, um, the right to be able to, to start a small business. go ahead keep going no, no, I, I have anything to, i was saying 155 <laughs> oh, okay so i mean in terms of this immigration topic again if we're looking at it from the angle of all right people are coming over here you know people are taking taking jobs from citizens american citizens uh, or black black people in particular um i think that that narrative is kind of Again, I think it's not really false, but it is false because they're not taking our jobs. Right. They are given those jobs. Yeah. Um, I was reading an article about um about the Michigan, you know, Apple industry. Oh, yeah, yeah. And about how they're losing millions of dollars because people from Mexico are scared to come here. Wow. And I also read an article about how they have to provide housing for these individuals. Mm. They have to pay for the paperwork. Mm. They have to take if these if these individuals that come here don't have a car, they have to take them to do laundry once a week. Yeah. Like they basically like and they have to pay them. They have to work at least 30 hours a week and pay them at least twelve dollars an hour. Mm. And 
I feel like why can't we can do that? Like they, but they aren't willing. Are they willing to do that for us? Is that or are we not willing to pick apples? I I know some people who could pick apples for two dollars. I mean, I'm, I'm looking. I pay, at my, to, I pay to go pick apples once a year. I'm, I'm looking at my uh, at the history. I'm like, I don't know if I want to pick anything, but <laughs> <for> nobody. <laughs> That's a good one, uh, Eric. <laughs> oh no, it's, it's closely associated with slavery. I don't know. I'm not. But we, but again, that speaks to those jobs right. that we don't want to take in the first place. That's true. Picking tomatoes or, and and picking apples. We. Those are jobs. There's a produce plant in Livonia. Right. And a lot of my clients work there, but they don't get a lot of hours. And I feel like they're not paid enough. Like, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be paid $10 an hour to pack tomatoes. Like, I feel like you should be paid more. But, and and I guess my part of that is that's what would be considered a low end job, you know? So. You, I mean, should you make the same thing as someone who has an associate's degree? I just feel like we're yeah. all underpaid because we're just having right. no, I agree. for 30 years. I agree. I agree. Sure. Um, but what I'm saying is in, in, in the current, the way the wages are set up right now, someone who comes out of college with a bachelor's degree may start a job making 15. What would be their salary would be equivalent? A teacher, mm-hmm. you know, would be equivalent to 15, 16, $17 an hour. Less. Or less, <laughs> you know. So should someone at McDonald's who just has a diploma or no degree at all make $15 an hour? It's almost, it's a slap in the face to the person who went in. And I know I worked my ass off to get my degree. Mm. So it's a slap in it, it's. Don't to me, it's like a slap in the face to the person who went to school and got a degree. I just feel like it's a slap in the face that we're all underpaid, right. and I and I don't think that that's that's justice for someone to be working on like on the lower level and in the high execs to get the bulk of the money. I agree. I think that wages need to raise across the board. We it, need to, I agree. Not. I mean, again, if, if we raise them fifteen dollars for the the um the worker with the high school diploma, raise it five or ten dollars for everyone with a bachelor's degree. I mean, yeah. Honestly, to survive, 20, you need it. 20, twenty seriously. 20, 20. Honestly, to survive comfortably, <laughs> you need to be making at least thirty dollars an hour. Yes, I agree. At, at minimum, and then um, you know, you look. I job hunt every once in a while. Mm. You know, see what's out there. You have yeah. twelve dollars an hour jobs, and the the minimum education is a bachelor's mm. degree. That's, that's a slap in the face. Ridiculous, right there. Ridiculous. I was watching a really good documentary. Um, it was about these black farmers on the west side of Michigan. And they were saying that a lot of the older generation, they're selling their farms now because their children no longer want to run the farms. Mm. And so they have this land. They have this land right here, this property for their, their family just, just being passed down generation, generationally. But they don't want it. The kids do not want it. And that's sad. Like, that's the sad part. You know, oh, go ahead. Okay, I was, I was going to say that that's sad that you have this opportunity to, to sort of keep this legacy going, make a lot of money. Because far, obviously farms, you're selling produce. You can make a lot of money from that. But the children no longer want to be a part of that. It starts in the home. <laughs> you, <laughs> you have to groom your children to take over your family business. I see I see it, I see it quite a bit. I know a woman who works in construction because that's the family business. She didn't, oh, I don't feel like doing construction. She has passion that she, takes, that she does on the side. But at the end of the day, she went to college so she could take over the family business because mm. that's what she was groomed to do. And that's the way that it should be. And I, I agree. And I think that, again, we're talking about having something that's given to a family, whether it's a business uh, inheritance. 
and sort of some some communities are using that to sort of build upon that. And you think if I'm given any two acres of land and I can have a farm, I'm taking that. You know, regardless of the situation, I understand the economy changing. That may not be your passion, but how many people can say that they own land? You know, land which I think is the greatest asset that anyone can have, right. uh, and get, just give that away. It's tough, you know. It's yeah, tough. and we own less than I think one percent of rural land, and wow. then it's like six families that own like, like more, more more land than the rest of like the bottom half of America. Mm. So yeah, I would take that. <laughs> that was me. And they were showing that they were showing that it was definitely hard because obviously um, they didn't have a large staff of people who were help you know picking. I think it was a blueberry uh, field or blueberry patch, whatever. Um, so they didn't have a lot of people who were doing this. So it was mainly the, the the grandparents were out there, you know, some of the, the the some of the children. But again, they weren't putting as much effort into it. And you know, as they were looking for their grandchildren to sort of pick up, you know, in the future, it's just one of those things where they just don't want to do the manual labor. It's just too hard, and so they sort of just going to let it die. It, just, um, it goes back to what Marquise was saying. Like we were thrown education. Like a lot of our parents or and our grandparents, they worked hard. They picked blueberries, but then they said, well, I don't want you to pick blueberries. I don't want blue- you to do that. I man. don't want you to pick blueberries. I want you to go get your education so you can work smart and mm-hmm. not hard. My mom didn't want me to get two jobs and let you get look where I'm at. I got yeah. to. Yeah. And, and you, you got to think about, too, the vision that King was giving America was that we shall overcome as black folks. You know, I don't, I don't think back in the 60s his vision or, you know, the vision – of the civil rights movement was that now we'd still be fighting for, you know, wages issues. And I think they, the thought process was if you went and got an education that you would live a better life, that you would be able to, I, I think he really believed that if you went and got an education, if they would open up doors for African-Americans to get education, that we would live a better life, that we would be able to compete, raise our families and live and and live a productive American dream. But that never happened. There Never was happened. a small window when affirmative action was corrective action for only right. for only African Americans, but then it was expanded to everyone that wasn't a straight white male. Mm. I mean, my final thought is that we just need to again educate our people on the importance of entrepreneurship. You know, importance of how again the how to how to start a business. Um, you know, how to balance a a, a banking account. You know how to get a loan. A lot of times we don't have that information, and that information isn't read- readily available. So we need to really uh, get that out there and sort of teach the young people the process of starting businesses and, and getting that going. Um, but again, it's a change in the mindset, as always. You know, changing the way that we sort of think and and, and act and do. Um, but I think it can be. I can see small steps. I think people are definitely starting to see entrepreneurship as that viable option. We just got to sort of pursue it amongst the entire community, you know, not just small pockets. Uh, I completely agree with you. So I don't have any, anything else to add, but that I want to wish you all uh, on here and all of our uh, listeners to the show a very uh, happy Thanksgiving. I hope yes. you enjoy Thanks. your time Thanks. with your family yeah, this you. week. Yes. Uh-huh. This has been another great episode of Can We Talk? Follow us on uh, Facebook, Unofficial Can We Talk, or on uh, Twitter at Podcast CWT. Yeah, like and share. <laughs> that was Nick's phone. <laughs> <laughs> I was liking that. I was like, no jams, he was playing it. No, it's-